book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse number 1 through 9. That's one of those minor prophet books right toward the end of your Bible, third from the end of the Old Testament, I should say. Haggai 2, and I'm going to begin with verse 1, reading through verse number 9. The Bible says this. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel. Now, if, if you were to read many of these minor prophets, specifically Haggai, Zechariah, there's, there's a couple others that would be referenced here. Um, you're going to find in those writings the Lord is speaking often to two particular men. One is by the name of Zerubbabel, and the other one is, uh, and and he is a he is a governor of Judah, and the other one is Joshua, who is the high priest. And so again, here in this passage of scripture, the Lord is speaking to these two men. And you remember, I preached it many times, but it's one of the revelations the Lord gave me many years ago. But and I hold on to it because it, it is so powerful about the olive trees and, and their oil going into the candlestick, which represented Jerusalem. But the olive trees, one of them was Zerubbabel, one of them was Joshua the high priest, one of them was the saint, one of them was the pastor. But it took both of them with their collective anointing flowing into the church for the Lord to have the, the, uh, for the anointing oil that was needed to fill that place. And so these are two very prominent figures in Scripture. So he says, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of... Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? He said, Who's left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not, this is very important, is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? The Lord's asking the question to these two. He said, um, of all these people, that's the residue that is left of Israel, how many of them can still remember Solomon's temple? How many of them still remember Solomon's temple? He said, there's not going to be very many, but you saw it in, in its first glory. How do you look at this temple now that they're reconstructing, and how do you see it now? And matter of fact, um, and I'm going to keep reading scripture in a moment, but I'm already teaching tonight. So we'll just you can count this toward my time. OK. I'll get my I'll get my timer out now that I say that. Um, matter of fact, because there was there was a group of people who were so disillusioned when they saw the foundation of the second temple. And they remembered it in comparison to that first temple of Solomon's, which was so beautiful and grand and glorious, that the Bible said that while the young men who had never seen that first temple shouted, the old men who had seen the first temple wept. And their weeping, I would say, did not that was not a pleasing thing to God. It, matter of fact, it frustrated the Lord because it, it put such a... It, 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 it messed with the psyche of the people of God because they're trying to build this temple. And while they should be thankful for what God is doing, you have people who remembered something from the past that are crying, saying it'll never look like that looked. 
It'll never be as grand as that was. And so they just, they just said, well, why are we even doing it? And they just dropped the tools and they went home. Read it. They dropped the tools, they went home. And the Lord finally rebukes them and says, who told you to quit building my temple? Who said that, that it was okay for you to quit? I called you back to, to Jerusalem to build this house. So you need to do it. And so now he's rebuking them here a little bit. There's some of that mentality and that feeling among some of the people. He said, you saw the first one in its glory. How do you see it now? How do you see this one? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Then he said, but let me turn around. And, and while you got people that are speaking negative things about it to you, you've got people that are telling you it can never be what it was. Let me turn around and speak a word to you, Zerubbabel. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. In other words, be strong, saints of God. Be strong, pastor. You need, to, you need to be strong in the Lord, all ye people of the land. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm just going to tell you, anytime God's building something and we're involved in it, you can rest assured that God is with us. Hallelujah. When we move out to Rook Road and we start turning up dirt out there and we start getting ready to build out there, you can rest assured God will be with us. He will be with us. According to the word, he said, I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. The same thing that I told you years ago when I brought you out of bondage. When I, when I uh, visited Egypt with ten plagues and I caused Pharaoh to let you go and brought you out of Egypt with, the Bible says at one point, with a mighty hand. And I, I did all of those things. I made a covenant with you back then and, and so my spirit remains among you today. The, the comforting thing about that is this. Israel had not always done what was right. Israel had made mistakes. Israel had backslidden at times. Israel had failed God at times. But the Lord said, I made a covenant with you a long time ago. And yeah, I've had to cause some things to happen to you. I've allowed you to go into captivity. I've, I've had, I've had uh, foreign kings come in and defeat you and humiliate you. Simply to get your attention before. But in all of those things. My spirit remains among you. My spirit remains among you. Anybody remember Ezekiel? He said I was with the captives down by the river. And all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord came and lifted me up. And took me to a valley of dry bones. I'm not. Y'all just pray for me. I, I keep preaching on Wednesday nights. And I'm trying to teach. But I'm, okay. I'm treating tonight. It's okay. He said, the Lord took me to that 
valley of dry bones. And the Lord told, asked me if they could live. And I said, Lord, you know. And he said, well, preach to them. And I started preaching and bones started coming to bone. And he said, then I preached some more and, and, and muscle and sinew came upon them and flesh came upon them. And then the Lord said, prophesy to the wind. And I prophesied to the wind and the spirit came back into them. Isn't it amazing to know that even when Ezekiel was with the captives, even when he was not in Jerusalem, he was in a foreign place, still the presence of God was with them. And if the presence of God can be with you in Babylon, I'm going to tell you the presence of God can be with you at work. The presence of God can be with you when you're walking through a valley. The presence of God will be with you no matter what you're facing, what you're up against. God's presence will be there. Amen. Fear ye not. I think that's a word to somebody tonight. I just feel like that's the word of the Lord for somebody. You ought to just lift your hands up and receive that right now. In the name of Jesus, God, whatever somebody came in here walking through tonight, your spirit remains with them. And the word to them is fear ye not. You've got your hand on it, Lord. You're going to take care of it, mighty God. In the name of Jesus. Here in a little bit I'll get the, my lesson. I'm still in my text right now. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while. And I will shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the earth. I'll shake the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, I know some of people aren't very impressed with it. I know some people think it's in comparison as nothing as what Solomon built. But I'm getting ready to fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater. Somebody say greater. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So my lesson tonight is the glory of the latter house. The glory of the latter house. We have to understand and we have to come to grips with the principle of God's ever-expanding kingdom. We need to be careful that we don't get caught up as some who feel like the church's best days are behind her. That is a lie from the devil. And I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I don't for one second believe that the church's best days are past. I don't believe that the church has seen all that the church is going to see. I don't think we've seen everybody that God wants to fill with the Holy Ghost receive the Holy Ghost. I don't think we've seen every healing take place that God wants to have take place. I don't think we've seen the, the greatest churches built yet. I don't think we've heard our greatest sermons preached yet. I think we've still got songs to be written by inspired Holy Ghost filled people that are going to be powerful songs. I think the best days of God's church are always in front of us. They're always in front of us. Every, just when we think it can't get any gooder. 
Just when we think it's gotten as good as it possibly can. The Lord does something to just take it another step further. Remember that song? It gets sweeter. Did, did he mention that song the other day? Brother Hancock, did he mention that one? That one's been on my mind. I don't. Somebody may have said it. I don't know. But it comes to me right now. It gets sweeter as the, is it days or years? As the days go by. That's all I remember right now. So. It gets sweeter as the moments fly. And then it does a bunch of other stuff. I don't remember. So, Richard, go ahead and somebody help me right now. Y'all know I want it. It gets richer, deeper, sweeter, fuller. We may not have the right order, but it's all those things. And I'm telling you tonight, that's the truth. There is a principle about God's kingdom in that His kingdom is ever expanding. It does get sweeter as the days go by. It does get fuller and richer and deeper as the moments fly. You can count on the fact that whatever God has done for you in the past is not the best that God has for you. God has something for you that is better than you've ever seen. Come on, somebody. God has something for you that is greater than you've ever experienced before. I thank God for where we come from. I thank God for our testimonies. We are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We need a testimony. I thank God for our testimonies. We need to share our testimonies. But I'm not just dependent on a testimony. I'm not just living on what He has done. I'm looking forward to what He's getting ready to do. God is greater. God is greater. So we've got to hold on to that principle. There's a very powerful verse. We always use it to talk about the oneness of God. But you need to read verse 7 too. Isaiah 9 and 6. We'll begin there. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. We always quote Isaiah 9 and 6. But let's read verse 7 too. It says this. Uh, of the increase. Everybody say increase. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What he is saying is, there, there's a very important word in verse 7, and that is increase. Talking about this kingdom of the living God. He said, of the increase of his government, of his peace, there's going to be no end upon that throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it. So we need to, we need to get a hold of that. We need to start believing that. That this government of, of God is always increasing. The kingdom of God is always increasing. The goodness of God is always increasing. The miracles of God are always increasing. The blessing of the Lord is always increasing. What God is wanting to do, it is, there's a ripple effect taking place in the kingdom of God. And we need to not be so narrow-sighted that we can only see what's going on in our backyard. Because sometimes 
There may be somebody in our backyard that's backsliding. And we get to thinking this thing's shrinking. But you know, you need to open up your eyes and look around. Just because one male walked away from God doesn't mean that 20 more haven't joined up. Come on now. Hallelujah. I thank God for what he's doing in this church. I thank God that uh, he's reviving this work, has revived this work. And, and, and uh, you remember the scripture the Lord gave us years ago, Habakkuk 3, 3 and 2. Oh, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. I thank God he's done that. But I'm going to tell you right now, he didn't just send us here to revive a work. He wants that work to also increase. He doesn't want us to have what, what maybe there used to be. He wants there to be even more that would be added to it. Anybody believe what I'm teaching tonight? So there's going to be increase. Now, when we talk about increase, that does not mean that we are trying to denigrate the former house. We're not talking bad about the former house. We're not saying the former house wasn't good. We're not saying the former house didn't have the glory of God. Because I do remember Solomon praying a dedicatorial prayer. And the Bible said the glory of the Lord filled the house so that the priest couldn't even stand to minister. So yes, there was glory in that house. We're not being critical of it. The Lord certainly wasn't being critical of the former house. He was simply emphasizing that his perfect will was that of kingdom expansion. His perfect will is that the kingdom of God would continue to grow. And it would continue to increase. And I'm trying to move on from that, but I can't hardly get away from it tonight. It is the will of God. It's not just the permissible will of God, but it is the perfect will of God that this thing would increase. It is the perfect will of God that this church would deepen in power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is the perfect will of God. Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 19, the Bible says this. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember, hear this, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord said, I know what you saw in the past. And so sometimes what we see in the past becomes the paradigm by which we think everything else must happen. Let me quit preaching and start teaching now. Sometimes we allow what has happened in the past to become the parameters. That's the better word. To become the parameters through which we feel like everything else that God wants to do must now happen. But the Lord said, I'm getting ready to do a new thing. I'm getting ready to do stuff you ain't never even seen before. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. Matter of fact, I'm going to allow there to be rivers that are going to spring forth and cut through a desert. He said, I'm going to do stuff that shouldn't be able to happen, but it's getting ready to happen simply because I'm God and I said so. Yeah. 
And I'm telling you tonight that we ought, to, we ought to have the attitude of expectation every time we come together in this house. Really, every day when our eyes uh, open up and we're laying in bed, there ought to be an expectation come upon us that says this could be the day that God does something I ain't never seen before. God moves in a way I ain't never imagined it before. You know, I, I get to hear some people share different testimonies, things God's doing in different places. I'm just going to tell you right now, we, we, we need to be careful. We don't think everything has to run through us. I believe God wants, and, and I don't know if this messes with your theology or not. I hope it doesn't, but I'm pastor here, so I'm going to preach it anyway. I really do believe that God wants to give people revelation of the mighty God in Christ. That haven't had that revelation. And their church may not join this church. But God can take that church and give them a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And he can give that pastor a revelation of baptism in the name of Jesus. And in filling of the Holy Ghost. And living a holy separated life. And they could just turn that church into an apostolic church. God you don't have to do it all through me. However you want to do it Lord. You do it like you want to do it. You're God and I am not. Hallelujah. 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 I'm talking about the glory of the latter house. I'm talking about a house where he said, I'll do something new. We need to be careful we don't get caught up with our parameters that we put on God. God proved us many, 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 many years ago that he wasn't content being confined to a box. His glory used to dwell above the mercy seat. And His glory used to be wherever that box went. That's where the glory of God went. But then, then the Lord said, you know what? That's not enough. So the glory of God, we beheld His glory. As of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw it in the face of Jesus Christ. And so that glory got in, in, the, in, the, in the humanity of, of Christ. And, and it went all over their little world at, of, of Israel at that time. Some say that Jesus probably though never traveled more than a, a hundred mile uh, circumference. I don't know how far he went. I know he went down into Egypt when he was a child at some point. And, but most of his life was confined to Galilee and Judea and, and Samaria and, and Jerusalem and all those areas right there. And it's not just a real big area. Most of his life was confined right there. And, and we had God manifest in flesh, but he showed us that even that wasn't enough for him. And he said, it's not going to be enough till my glory is spread all over the world. And so today we are the body of Christ. And we're here tonight, we're worshiping him. But across the continent, there's somebody else worshiping him. And it's no, it's no longer confined to a box. And it's no longer confined to, a, to one strip of land in the Middle East. It's from Africa to Asia. It's from Europe to Australia. It's in North America. It's in South America. Everywhere there's people, you can find the glory of God today. And that, ought to, that all alone ought to shake us a little bit. To let us know it's bigger than our little boxes we want to put him in. It's bigger than our little boxes we want to put him in. We better be careful. It's bit, let me tell you this. It's bigger than your culture. It's bigger than your culture. It's bigger than speaking English. 
It's bigger than, than, than the way we do things. Maybe our culture is different from somebody else's. I watched some video uh, from Madagascar. Where they were having their conference over there. And there's been a, a, a phenomenal revival in the last 20, 30 years in Madagascar. The Richardson's missionaries there uh, have had just a, a tremendous outpouring uh, that they've helped to lead. And, and God has done some wonderful things. And I was watching some of their stuff. And I was watching the way they worship the Lord and they, they dance. And they were dancing like this and, and doing this. And, and, but it was people d- dancing together. And that probably bothers some of us. I don't know about that dancing. You know, I don't think we're so. Well, you can try to tell them that. But they're having a move of God over there. Maybe it's not the way I dance. Some people think it's not dancing unless you absolutely lose control. They're a little more choreographed than that. Well, you can knock it if you want to, but I'm not going to knock it because I believe the glory of the latter house is bigger than a culture. I believe the glo- Hey, you go to Israel. You go to Israel and you, and you be in Israel at uh, uh, the, when the Sabbath's coming. What do they call it? When Shabbat or Shabbat. You be in Israel when, when, when it turns about 6 o'clock in the evening and, and the shadow begins to hit that wall. And those people start coming out from all corners of the city. And they're doing their little dance and they're, and they're chanting their little songs going way back. We think about old songs. They really got old songs. They're singing those old songs and they're chanting their way down the streets. And they're making their way to the wall and they're, and they're crying out for a Messiah to come. Their culture may be different than my culture. But I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't want to hinder this thing. I don't want to put limits on this thing. Somebody may not do it the way I do it. As long as it's done in spirit and in truth, I say let us worship the Lord. Let us worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I knew I should have saved this message for Sunday. We've got to do it. He wants to do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. I'm not talking about we're denigrating the old things. I'm just saying don't limit God. Don't limit God. We need testimonies. Don't lose that testimony. But neither do you need to hinder the work of God in this day and age. There's two things being discussed here. He's talking about an old temple versus a new temple. But he's also, he's not just talking about that. There's also some typology going on here. He's not just talking, when he says former and latter, he's not just talking old temple and new temple. He's also talking about old covenant and new covenant. What made the former house great? What was noteworthy to the Lord and to God's people about the former house? If there was greatness about that house, what was the greatness? I'm going to tell you what it was. It's that God's glory dwelt there. Because nobody else served a living God. Only Israel served a living God. Nobody else served a God who was touched by the feelings of their infirmities. Nobody else touched a God who who was alive. Uh, Elijah made fun of, he mocked the prophets of Baal and of the grove. A total of 850 of them gathered there. When they, said, when they chanted and cut themselves and went around their altar. And they tried to get their God to answer by fire. And he said, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's gone on a trip. Maybe he just can't hear you right now. Maybe you should be louder. Maybe your God's hard of hearing. 
Maybe you ought to get louder. And they chanted all the louder. And for all day long, they did this. Nothing happened. You know why? Because they didn't serve any real God. They served a false idol. What they served was not alive. What they served, you had to make a, you had to cut an image out of it. And if you wanted to worship their God, you had to go bow down at an image. But our God's not like that. Our God is the living God. Our God is not just a God. Woo! Our God is not just a God that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but He is the God that we can experience. Hallelujah. I experience my God. I experience my Lord. When we came in here on Sunday and we began to worship Him, I experienced Him. I felt Him in this place. I knew He had come to be with His people. I could experience my God. And that is what set Him apart. That is what made that former house great. The fact that his glory dwelt there. His glory dwelt there. Well, if his glory dwelt in that former house at one time. And he said, and it was a good thing. And it caused all kinds of people to sit up and take notice. There was a queen of Sheba that traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles to come. So she could experience that. And the Bible said when she saw Solomon's ascent, how he went up to the temple, the former house, when she saw his ascent and the, and the way his servants were dressed and that they were happy and all these things and then his ascent, the Bible said there was no more spirit left in her. It absolutely took her breath away, the greatness of the old house where God's glory dwell. If that's what he did in the former house. And he said the latter house is going to have an even greater glory upon it. Then I'm asking you tonight. What in the world could God maybe want to do around here? What could God want to do if we would take the limits off of God? If we would not hold him back? We've got to make sure that we don't misinterpret. Or we don't... That, that we don't... Um, Throw something out because we're comparing methods versus the message. From Moses' tabernacle to Solomon's temple to, Nea, to, to Ezra's temple, there was a lot of change. Everybody say change. Everybody say, I love change. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm a liar now. No. There was a lot of change. Solomon's temple was extremely different than Moses' tabernacle. Go look at the layout of it. It was very different. Moses had a badger skin tabernacle. Solomon had a, a stone temple and cedar temple. Uh, Moses uh, had some items in when, when you went to the holy place, uh, that was tapestry surrounding the holy place. But when you went into Solomon's temple, it was, it was wood covered with gold everywhere you looked in there. It was very different. There was a lot of change in, in how, it was, how it was presented. But what did not change was the layout of the furniture. And what did not change was there was the place for the ark to go. Because although we may change the method. We cannot change the message. Although we may, we may change a method. 
It is not ours to change the message. We have to make sure that we understand the importance of the apostolic pattern. That is what God gave Moses, that Solomon followed, that Ezra followed, and that if you, if you study it, that even in, in, that, uh, in, in heaven, there is a layout that is similar to all that because there is a pattern that God has for His people. And the new birth experience models after that pattern as well. Death, burial, resurrection, uh, altar, labor, uh, the, the Shekinah glory of God. All of those things are lined up. So the pattern it is very important that it remains the same. If we lose the pattern, we will lose the glory. Now hear me right now. If we lose the pattern, we lose the glory. And we'll start having to conjure up and, and, and come up with programs and come up with different things to try to make us feel like we've had church. But I'm just going to tell you, we've been having church. We're in here tonight having church. I don't doubt the glory of God that's in this place. So yes, methods may have changed. I guarantee you that the church I grew up in in the 80s did not have church like the apostles had church in the book of Acts. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I, and here I go where angels fear to trod. I'm, I'm not after anything. I'm just preaching, all right? I'm really not. I guarantee you, they did not sing bringing in the sheaves in the church that James pastored in Jerusalem. They di- I'm, I'm telling you, they did not sing uh, our song because he lives. Now, did they have some songs like that? I'm sure they did. But it was different. We don't know those songs today. They passed. You know what? That changed. The method changed. And I'm not saying I'm not saying we I'm picking on songs because that's where we always go in our minds on this stuff. So y'all just give me a break, okay? I just needed I needed a scapegoat. I needed something to pick on tonight. So I'm picking on music. God bless all the singers and musicians. God bless them all. That that changed. But the message that they sang about has never changed. What they sang about in the book of Acts church is what they sang about in the 80s when I was born into this. And what we sang about in the 80s is what we're singing about in 2019. And we better make sure that we don't mistake methods for message. We've got to hold on to the message. Methods may change. And I understand that's hard because we get comfortable. Do we not? Folks, I know I do. Some of y'all may not think, but I know I get comfortable. It would be so easy if everything just always stayed the same and nothing ever changed and, and, and we wouldn't have to adapt and readapt and readapt again and all these things. Isn't that frustrating at times? Let's just be honest. Absolutely frustrating. But I'm just going to tell you, let's make sure that we don't make the method the message. But neither should we consider the message just a method. The, met- the message has to remain steadfast. The message has to remain sure. But, though, but, but if that will happen, 
if we'll maintain the apostolic pattern that has been given to us, God will lead us and guide us in every generation and in every era. You hear me right now? God will lead and guide us in every generation to reach our generation. The Bible said, speaking of David, that he reached his generation. If God gave David the wisdom to reach his generation, he's going to give you the wisdom to reach your generation. And I may not do it the way David did it, but if I'll keep the message the same, God will make sure I reach my generation. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise. We've got to hold on to the apostolic pattern. Isaac understood this. That's why Isaac redug the wells of Abraham. Isaac redug the wells of Abraham. Abraham had dug some wells in his sojourning. And they were very important. And, and enemies had come in and filled them in. And, and the Bible said that Isaac made it a point. He said, I'm going to go out and redig those wells that my dad dug all those years ago. The, he, didn't, he didn't dig a, a well. Let me tell you what Abraham did and did, not, did and did not dig wells of. He did not dig wells on what color the carpet is. He did not dig a well on if it was a chair or a pew. Okay? I'm taking my glasses off so I can't see nobody. He did not dig wells on. He didn't dig a well on if the organ was the lead instrument or the keyboard was the lead instrument. Or the accordion back in the day. My mom played the accordion. He did dig a well that said no tambourines freely given out among all the congregation. <laughs> That's in O'Connell 3 and 7. You can find it. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm messing around. He didn't dig wells over petty stuff like methods. But you go study what the names of those wells he dug were. You find out what they mean. They were wells of worship. They were wells of, 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 of things that God had given him. And Isaac said, I'm not going to get caught up digging wells that don't matter. But I am going to redig the wells that do matter. And in this church, we're not going to get caught up trying to dig wells of things that don't matter. But we will redig the wells of the things that do matter. So let me go ahead and, and before I say what they are, let me say this. That's where Rehoboam messed up. Because Rehoboam came along after Solomon. And what he should have done is look to what his grandfather David had done. And Solomon had drifted away from. And Rehoboam should have redug some wells that had been dug a long time ago. But instead, he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a name for myself. I'm just gonna, it's going to be the way I want to do it. And, and, and what, did, what happened? God rent the kingdom from him. He left him two tribes, but ten of those tribes left. So we must redig the wells of our apostolic pattern. So let me tell you what they are. The apostolic pattern that we need to make sure we don't ever let go of. It is the message that cannot be relinquished. It goes like this. We need to dig wells of apostolic worship. We've got to dig wells of apostolic worship.
There needs to be clapping in our hands. There needs to be shouting in our feet. There needs to be joyful noises that are made. There needs to be a shouting to the Lord every once in a while. Sometimes somebody needs to step out in the aisle and dance. Sometimes somebody's got to give God the praise. That is a well that we can't afford to not have. If we lose our apostolic worship. We will lose our message. You, you mark my words. If we lose apostolic worship, we'll lose our apostolic message. It will be a, it, it will be a stone removed that begins for the wall to crumble. We better make sure we hold on to our apostolic worship. When we moved here to start this church, Sister Eve, you'll understand this. When we moved here to start this church, we came from a good church. And, and we were used to having good church and and it scared me to death thinking. Because I remembered as a nine-year-old going to Gurdon. We went from a, a, a real established church to a church that was not very established. And I remember the change that I felt in the worship. And, and it was a different thing. And, and so when we came to start our church, I was scared to death. I didn't know. I had one mentor tell me, and, and, and tremendous leader, he said, Kenneth, it was two and a half years before I felt I left church and felt like we had had church. I said, what did what, you do before then? <laughs> we just got by. He said, I remember. He said, it didn't feel like we'd had church for about two and a half years. He said, but I'll never forget that day we did. And so I, I, got, I got my little nine-month-old son, and, and I soaked it up just as much as I could those last few services we were there. I remember on Sunday taking Asher and holding him and just dancing across the front and worshiping God and praying while I did it, saying, God, we're going to have this at, at uh, sanctuary one of these days. God, one of these days we're going to have church just like this. People are going to praise God. People are going to worship the Lord. I don't know how long it's going to take, but God, if you'll help us, I'll preach it. We're going to have it one of these days. And I, I was trying to, I was, I was worried because I wanted my child to grow up in that kind of an environment. And so it, it concerned me and and we got here and, and we were trying to have church in my house and folks, that's uncomfortable and that's awkward. That wasn't easy, but I'm going to tell you what, even in that house, I can remember the Spirit of the Lord moving in there. I remember Seth getting the Holy Ghost. I remember the presence of the Lord coming, people travailing in prayer. I remember Brother Randall, I remember us having church in that old building. And I'll never forget that Sunday we talked about the, the seventh step and going in through that tabernacle and entering into the holy place in the holy presence of God that descended in that place that day. I didn't even want to leave that day. I, we'd prob I, I, I still feel like I, I, I probably did something wrong that day. I let us go too soon or something because there was such a holy presence of the Lord that descended on us that day. I'm going to tell you something right now. We better fight for our apostolic worship. We'd better fight to make sure we don't lose that. We'd better fight to make sure we have that. We'd better fight to make sure our kids get that. Can I be transparent with y'all tonight? Please, and I, don't let this leave this room, because I got a child who, who, who I don't want my kids to just be the illustrations all the time for something wrong. The other Sunday, I preached about praise, and and we were having a good service, and and. People are shouting, and, and some of our young girls were down here, and Faith, you, and, and some others were down here. And I came down here, and Nora had a hold of Faith's hand, actually. 
And, and I told those girls, I said, I said, the Lord wants you to be loose. I want you to have liberty and worship. And I said, I want you all to start dancing. So they started praising God and dancing. And I looked at Nora and I said, baby, I want you to start dancing too. And she looked at me. Like, that makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to do it. And it started in my toes. And really, y'all don't let her know I'm telling this. I, I, I shouldn't do this, and, and I almost feel bad. It started in my toes. And I looked over, and I said, I'll talk to you later. And, buddy, when we got in the car and we got heading home, I, I, I turned to Mom, and I said, did you see? She said, I saw it. <laughs> it had already gone to the top of her head. <laughs> she said, I saw it. And we got home, and we sat down, and we had a long talk in my house. And, and, and I said, let me just tell you, little Miss Thing, you can get out and you can have fun and you can cut up and, and, and dance around at school when they start doing all that stuff and playing their music at school. You can do it there. You're going to do it in the house of God. And if you can't do it in the house of God, you better not ever let me hear about you messing around at school doing it. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. I'm sorry, Daddy. I said, we're going to do things different, aren't we? Yes, sir, we are. Now, I shouldn't probably have told that. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to drive home to this church tonight just how important this is. She's got to have that. She's got to know. And it's not going to be on me that she didn't learn it. She's not ever going to point her finger at me and say, Dad, you never taught me how. You never worshipped with me. You never shouted with me. You're not putting that on me. I'm, as for me in my house, we will worship the Lord. My God. Hallelujah. That's an apostolic pattern. We gotta dig that well. I can't preach all the rest of these like I'd like to, but we've gotta we've gotta make sure that we dig redig the well of apostolic giving. We've gotta redig the well of apostolic giving. If all we think this thing is about is coming to church and shouting and juking and jiving and walking out saying, Whoo, boy, didn't we have good church today? We're lost. We're messed up. We've got to make sure we are apostolic givers. We've got to be faithful in our tithe. Somebody shout amen. amen. We've got to be faithful in our tithe. Amen. We've got to be faithful in our offering. Amen. If we want the blessing, if we, number one, if we want him to rebuke the devourer, we've got to be faithful with tithe. And if we want the blessing of the Lord, we've got to be faithful with offering. We've got to do it, folks. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is a pattern of apostolic giving in the word of God. And that is a well that we must redig. Don't get caught up with if, 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 if they played it the right way or, or, or somebody uh, sat down in your chair or something like that. Don't get caught up with that. So that's, that's nonsense. That, that's petty. That don't matter. But what does matter is our apostolic giving. What does matter is that when the Spirit of the Lord speaks to us, we get moved on and we respond to that. We've got to be a sacrificial church. We've got to redig the wells of apostolic prayer. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm not talking about going through some, some memorized thing that don't mean anything to you. Now, if you can pray that and it means something to you, then go, that's fine. But, I'm, but going through some little catechism of something that you've learned that, that you just spout off, but it doesn't mean anything to you, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. 
And so we've got to have apostolic prayer. And that's what we're trying to do in our home right now with our kids is we're trying to teach our kids apostolic prayer. We're trying to tell them, you know, you, you can pray too. You don't just have to, and you don't just have to say, God bless mom, God bless dad, God bless, bless brother, God bless sister, God bless uh, grandparents, God bless aunts, uncles. I said, you don't have to just pray like that. Whatever you feel like you need to talk to God about, you can pray to him about it. And we're trying to teach our kids how to have apostolic prayer in their lives. I know they're young. Aren't you putting a little bit too much on them? I don't know. When you get up in the morning, tell them about it. When you go down the way, tell them about it. Jesus did say, suffer not the little children to come unto me. I'm not going to be the one hindering them. Yes, we're probably a little bit uh, extreme in our home. But that, that bothers you, so be it. But I plan on raising apostolic children who know how to pray an apostolic prayer and know how to cry out to God. Hallelujah. We've got to redig the wells of apostolic preaching and teaching. We need apostolic preaching and teaching. We, you need what I'm doing tonight. I need what's happening tonight. We all need this. We don't need to remove ourselves from it. you got to be at church every time you can be at church. I know, I know things happen. I know people get sick. I know, there's, I, I know there's work that runs late. I get all that. But when you can be in the house of God and you don't have a reason not to be, shame on you. Shame on you. And if you can work your schedule around a little bit to get here, then you need to be here. Well, I might come in dirty from work. Come in dirty from work. Well, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I haven't got to eat yet. Well, it won't hurt you to wait about an hour and a half before you eat. Taking my glasses off. We need apostolic preaching and teaching. And this is the place we come to for it. We come into the house of God and the Lord feeds us here. One thing, you can say it to me, but I won't believe it. One thing you're never going to be able to put on me is that you don't get fed in this church. I feed you the word of God in this church. And so you need to be here. If you're not getting fed, it's because you're not wanting to be fed. You need to be here. I know. I, I believe it, though. I think I'm a fairly decent preacher and teacher. We need this. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all think I'm bragging on myself. And I guess I was a little bit. I don't know. We need this. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. Your kids need what they get in those Sunday school rooms back there. Your children need what they get in these Sunday school rooms. Don't keep them out of Sunday school. Get them to church. Get them to the house of God where they can be taught, where they can be preached to. It's our apostolic pattern. I'm closing. We need to redig the well of apostolic separation. We are called to be a holy people. We are called to be a separated people. We aren't supposed to be like the world. In no way, shape, fashion, or form should we identify with the world. We never should, should be as the world. We are called to be separate. Come out from among them. I know he said it in the Old Testament, but it was quoted again in the New Testament by Peter. He said, that's why he said back then, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We do need to get some things out of our lives. We need to be careful. We need to, have, we need to be separated in body and in spirit. There's things with our bodies that we don't need to partake of. 
And there's things with our spirit we don't need to partake of. So we better keep a good spirit. We better keep a, a, a righteous lifestyle. Help us, Lord, to redig that well. I don't care who says what. I don't care if some other church says you don't, that's not all necessary. You don't need to do that. You need to go to two places before you do anything else. You need to go first to the Word of God, and then you need to go to your pastor. If I'm preaching something you don't think it's necessary, you come talk to me about it. But I'm going to preach what I feel like is going to keep this church safe and get us to heaven. And I'm not going to stand before the Lord to give account one day and the Lord say, you never preached it, you never taught it to these people. I am going to try to lead us in the ways of holiness. Help us, Lord, to be a separated people. We've got to redig that well. And finally, we've got to redig the well of apostolic witnessing. The Bible said in the book of Acts that they went everywhere proclaiming the things of the Lord. We've got to become apostolic witnesses. That's a well. That's a well. Don't talk about everything that's bad. Talk about everything that's good. Is there problems in the church? Yes. Do we get hurt? Yes. Have I been let down? Yes. Have you been let down? Yes. But that's not what I lead off with when I'm trying to witness to somebody. Why would I do that? Why would I tell them what I don't like? Why would I tell them what's wrong? I, I, why would I push them away from this? I'm trying to get them to God. We've got to talk about what's right. We've got to witness. We've got to get an apostolic witness in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to redig that well. Don't let us become so insulated that we just go around in our own little bubble and we never reach for a lost soul. Help us, God. Because Why are you preaching like this tonight? Because I want the glory of the latter house to be greater than that of the former. And the Lord said, greater works than these. When they looked at Jesus and said, wow, wow, look what you've done, Lord. This is amazing. And he said, you think this is something. Greater works than these shall ye do. You ain't seen nothing yet. If you think me lifting the man sick of the palsy was something, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think Lazarus coming out of a grave was something, you ain't seen nothing yet. He did some tremendous miracles, folks. But he said, greater works than these shall ye do. We must believe this. That's what I'm ending with tonight. We must believe that the... That do you believe God's word is true? Then we must believe that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. We've got to believe it. If we believe this, nothing will be impossible to them that believe. But the only thing that ever hindered God's purpose is when humanity doubted his plan. And that is why in Nazareth, he did not do many great works. He couldn't do them there because there was a group of people that said it has to be in this box. It has to be done this way. And we just doubt whether you're able to do all of those things you really say. We doubt it. We don't believe it. There was unbelief. And he said that was the only thing that ever stopped my purpose from being fulfilled was unbelief. Oh, God, help us to believe your word. 
If you said the latter house shall be greater than that of the former, then in the name of Jesus, I'm proclaiming greatness over Sanctuary Church. I'm proclaiming greatness over the work of God in our city. I proclaim greatness over the work of God in Marion at New Life. I proclaim greatness over the work of God in every surrounding church about us. In the name of Jesus, God, let it be greater than it's ever been. I know Jonesboro's seen revival in the past. I know our region has seen revival in the past. But God, I believe we're getting ready to see greater revival than we've ever seen. We're getting ready to see greater works than we've ever seen. We're getting ready to see more than we've ever seen. In the name of Jesus, let the glory of the latter house be greater than that of the former. Because it is an ever-expanding kingdom. And what God does is ever-expanding and increasing of the increase of his government there shall be no end so in the name of Jesus would you lift your hands Lord we receive that tonight we receive that tonight God if we've seen things that have disappointed us I'm going to look around I'm going to quit just focusing on what disappointed me and thinking everything's getting worse, and I'm going to start looking around at all the other things you're doing. Because when I see everything else you're doing, it's going to build my faith for what you can do in my situation. In the name of Jesus, God, I am believing you for greater works. I thank God for everything I saw as a child. I thank God for every miracle you've done for my parents. I thank God for every testimony my family has. I thank God for everything you've ever done for this church. But Lord, I believe our best days are still ahead of us. Because the glory of the latter shall be greater than that of the former. Could we stand together tonight? I think we just, I feel faith in this church tonight. I feel faith and I feel, I feel a bit of excitement that, to, to just push forward a little bit. Do you feel that? I feel just some excitement. Hallelujah.